calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Welcome to another Take 15 interview from CFA Institute. I'm Dave Larrabee and I'm joined by Kathleen Gaffney. Kathleen is a fixed income manager at Eaton Vance Management and last year she launched the Eaton Vance Bond Fund uh, and it's off to an exceptionally strong start. Uh, Kathleen, congratulations on your success and welcome. Thanks Dave, good to be here. Launching a bond fund after a 30-year bull market in bonds is uh, going to present a challenge to a, a self-professed value investor. Uh, but you're not just investing in bonds. You have a unconstrained go-anywhere mandate that allows you to invest across asset classes and geographies, uh, including up to 20% in common stocks. Uh, my question is, how do you properly benchmark a fund of this nature? And can you talk a little bit about the risks that are inherent investing across a diverse asset class mix? Sure. That's, that's a really good question because there are isn't going to be a perfect fit with any benchmark. So generally, I start with the Gov credit as a starting point, that we have a choice as fixed income managers to invest risk-free or with some credit. And so that's the starting point. And really what I'm expressing is the ability, ability to generate return most often going away from the benchmark. So then it becomes a decision about what's the view on governments and what's the view on credit and how can we best generate that return. Mm -hmm. um, now the fund you manage today is about uh, $500 million in assets, um, quite a bit smaller than the fund you used to co-manage at I think $20 billion at your former employer. Um, clearly this allows you to be a little more nimble than some of your peers. Um, how big an advantage is this and uh, what are you doing differently uh, and what point does size become a problem for a fixed income manager? Well, it's interesting with multi-sector because I actually think that size isn't so much a problem as the markets and what opportunities they're showing you. But clearly, managing millions right now, it is a big difference. And I would say the, the biggest difference is the advantage that there is in the current environment. Because when you're looking for value, there's not a lot out there. So it really does require not taking market risk, but really looking for idiosyncratic risk. Looking for the companies, whether they're bonds or maybe even stocks, that are gonna do well in a global economy that's growing slowly, uh, but where they can lead in their industries and generate good cash flow. Those opportunities are out there, but it requires a very special focus. Mm -hmm. Not long ago, you described the investing uh, environment as the most challenging in three decades. How so? Well, it's interesting because here we are five years after the financial crisis, and we are recovering. It's, it's been slow, 
but it's been steady and I think we're at an important inflection point where the fundamentals are really going to become very evident. During the last five years, however, with low rates, the demand for yield has really quashed the value out of the market. So at a time when it is essentially one of the best times to be taking credit risk, there's no value there. So you've got to really push the boundaries and look at the less traditional areas of the credit markets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you, and you're on record as saying you think rates are going to go higher in the U.S. than what the futures markets are telling us right now. So how are you positioning your portfolio? That hasn't worked out so well of late. <laughs> um, but clearly, the longer we go past recovery, the odds do favor higher interest rates. And when I look at the fundamentals, they're improving. So I'm really positioned to take advantage of improvement in the U.S. economy. And I'm doing that by focusing on corporate fundamentals with as little rate risk as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's been weakness in emerging markets, and uh, that's been widely attributed to the Fed's tapering of their bond buying program. Um, has this sell-off resulted in any attractive opportunities in the emerging markets? Well, it's interesting. I'm a value investor, and when you look at what happened when the tapering talks began last May, the emerging market uh, sectors were hit hard. So you saw a lot of momentum come out of that market. Uh, when momentum leaves, it doesn't necessarily mean there's value there. Uh, the emerging markets, I think, were perceived mm -hmm. as safe havens. And with slower growth rates, that's not the case. But there are going to be opportunities there. We are seeing opportunity in higher quality corporates uh, where you don't take on currency risk, where they're dollar pay. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the sovereigns are starting to look interesting because their currencies have depreciated significantly. For other countries, we expect more depreciation to come. Uh, so I'm thinking of this as an emerging opportunity. Uh, how about Europe? Uh, yields on some sovereign debt in Europe uh, suggest that the worst is over, uh, over there. Um, from your vantage point, um, is the recovery in Europe for real? And are there any values over there to be had? I think there's value there. They like to do things their way, which is not the American way. Uh, they're a little bit slower, and they're running about two years behind us. But I think they're stabilizing, and the yields on sovereign debt, particularly Italy and Spain, are really starting to converge. Uh, and, and I think that's a sign of confidence and safety. Even Greece was able to issue recently. Mm -hmm. um, not something that I would call a great value, but great for Greece to be able to tap the, the capital markets again. I think the values there are more on the corporate side as well as the equity side. Uh, so let's talk high yields. Uh, spreads on high yield bonds have narrowed to levels I don't think we've seen since 2007. Mm -hmm. um, is this an area we should be avoiding right now? For the broad market in high yield, if you look at just the structure of a bond, a coupon of around 5% at par, even if it's a great credit, you're not getting compensated for the actual credit risk. And once the curve, which is steep now, uh, when it flattens, there's going to be a repricing. And I don't want to mm -hmm. take on that price risk right now. But there are examples of high-yield bonds that are trading in the 70s or 80s where you probably are getting paid for the credit risk. 
uh, and there's probably a fair amount of it. But if you do your work, that's the type of high yield bond I'd be comfortable holding. But to me, it seems like there's there's price risk and liquidity risk in that market right now. Mm -hmm. Kathleen, thanks very much for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you for watching. You can access our full catalog of webcasts at cfawebcast.org. Copyright 2014 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.